Blog Talk Radio. Donna Trump said he gave to both 
when he was he in business. He gave to everybody. He yeah, gave to everybody to grease his way through all of any kind of regulations or anything else. You can't do anything unless you pay them off. Yeah. That is that's a legal way. I thought. Uh, uh, Sydney Sheehan. Uh, Sydney Sheehan. Sydney Sheehan. 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 Socialist by Sidney Sheehan. See what she has to say. Says, if I get nominated, I promise to fight corporate greed. That's Sanders, right? Yep. But he also said, if I don't get nominated, I promise to endorse Hillary Clinton, who's the queen of corporate greed. Yeah. That's really sad. That's what she says here. Maybe not if he runs as an independent. Why would he endorse her? I don't know. Jesus. After all these years... I am surprised, this is Cindy Sheehan, yeah. I am surprised that I can still be surprised. What am I surprised about? I'm surprised that anyone who really knows me and knows my dozen years of public activism would expect me to support an imperialist politician uh, and, be them, and, and be themselves surprised that I don't. What does being a socialist have to do with this? Well, first of all, I call myself an organic socialist. I was not a red diaper baby, and I don't... Uh, come from a radical family or community. In fact, I grew up in a in a height of the Cold War, and very negative views about socialism were inculcated in me. I was uh, indoctrinated with the pledge and un- with the pledge, and intimidated by regular nuclear drills that had us budding patriots diving under our desks just in case the Red Menace uh, decided to drop an A bomb on Bellaflower. Uh, secondly, as an organic socialist, even though I have now done study on scientific socialism, I am socialist. I see socialism as just pure common sense and caring for society. What a, uh, what is best for 100% of humans, not just 1%. When I am accused of envying the wealthy, my response: I don't want to be like the rich. I want them to be like us. I was harshly ridiculed and even reviled in 2008 when I didn't support the imperialist Obama. Yay, she's like me. Now, while many of Obama's 2008 rabid fan club can see that his regime has been a complement to the Bush regime and can readily recognize the same flaws in Hillary Clinton, they refuse to acknowledge factual arguments in my opposition to the Sanders candidacy. As far as I can see, he had one good vote among many that were right up the imperialist alley. I'm not going to make a laundry list here, but there is an excellent summary. Uh, From the facetiously facetiously named Facebook page, Bernie Barry Bush. When do, what disheartens me about all of the Sanders mania is the chauvinistic character of it. Sure, Sanders is promoting some solid reforms on the domestic side. Uh, I agree with that. And this is where I have a problem, too, but still promoting imperialism on the global side. As you can see in the above link, he is consistently for a bloated Pentagon budget, which shows how little regard he has for people of the planet that are being repressed, oppressed, murdered, tortured, imprisoned, and or displaced by the empire or its friends, especially Israel. True socialism is not imperialistic and stands against invasions of sovereignty and stands in solidarity with people resisting oppression and occupation. True socialism cares for 100% of the people on the planet, not just a small minority, of those seemingly entitled humans here in the USA. True socialism cares about the planet and is against the destruction of it and of its life. The empire is the largest exploiter of its resources and polluter of the essential life support systems. True socialism strives to not only create healthy communities, workplaces, and environments, but to also look outside of our own communities and workplaces and desire healthy human rights and peace for everyone. Sanders has said that he would be comfortable using drone bombing to combat terror. And when I first came out strongly against Obama's favorite weapon of terror three days after he was inaugurated in 2009, many liberals wrote me saying, what are you, crazy? If Bush had used drones in Iraq, your son would still be alive. 
That argument angers me because, A, no one knows what could have happened, and, B, although as his mother, Casey was my prime concern, I also mourn each innocent's death. True socialism knows that every person on this planet has the same existential right, not just the selfish U.S. Aeons. I believe that the biggest disappointment to me around the Sanders campaign is that its success is evident that there is little anti-imperial sentiment in the U.S. and that during the Obama regime, humanitarian war, which is the most blatant oxymoron ever, has become acceptable. It is my opinion that if people were truly anti-war or anti-empire, there are many other candidates to support if one thinks that is effective. Look, I'm not campaigning against Sanders. For the record, I am also not a Clinton or Republican supporter. I wish I didn't have to say that, but I'll be accused of it. I'm campaigning against what the USA stands for and is about. But it's time for the supporters of Sanders to acknowledge his aggressive stances and votes and stop trying to run away from or soft-pedal his record. It speaks for itself. It's hunky-dory to support Sanders. But support of Sanders means one also, by extension, supports imperialism. In this capitalistic, imperialistic, rotten empire, there is no such thing as holding his feet to the fire. And if the Obama mania and resultant expansion of the empire didn't convince the people, what will? What will? She's correct. And, uh, that was my only, you know, I like Bernie's domestic policy. I do not like his Zionist expansionism. I agree with her. Hmm. Gee. Well, they got a rig, you know. See, uh, uh-huh. my big complaint, my biggest complaints with these guys is that, you know, you know, she's been, Hillary has been kicking, kicking uh, 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 Bernie uh, constantly on yeah. in every debate in picks of it. And he's going to go, well, I don't want you, and you're about being very nice. And, you know, he's acting like a schmuck. And, you know, and and now finally that he's winning, okay, his, the people that, that are donating to the people that are behind him, all right, those people are, uh, they're, they're aggressive. They're pop. They're progressive. They're aggressive. They're they. You know they don't want the same crap. They don't want Hillary. They hate Hillary above all above all all else. But they don't probably recognize that he's a. But an but unfortunately, a lot of them are too young. A lot of them are too they young. Don't know what it is. To don't not understand that the the, the nature of, of his, um, not only his Zionism, but also his you know uh, you know his his, his global imperialistic. You know mm. things, which is scary because that's the same kind of crap that uh, you know that that uh, uh, Stalin's and Lenin's well, and you know all these people. There is not one, one person who identity. is running. There's not one person who's running for president who differs on their foreign policy. No, they all, they all no, they're, they're all on the same train. They're all the same thing. Yep. Uh, you know, Bernie is just as aggressive and just as. They think it's okay to be an yeah. imperialistic empire. The only uh, thing he's got different is domestic policies, foreign policies, and other. But again, if you're running as a president, you have to be. No, if you're president. running for president, not as a president. I'm sorry. If you're running for a president, for for president, you you can't be. Uh, you know, that was the word. But you can't be passive. You know, you can't be a pacifist. Because okay, you're never going to get elected, right? And and so you have and, to be uh, aggressive. Jeff, Jeff Bush posing with a, his brand new rifle. With a new gun. Oh uh, my yeah. God! What a yeah. no! I can't even say it. Not even made in the United States. It's a Belgian-made gun. Uh-huh. Right? But the the thing is, is that the, the 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 stupidity of the most people that are running right now is is overwhelming. And yes, okay. Well, Bernie's a smart guy. Well, Bernie's not a smart guy. He just happened to be, you know. He's he, he's he just never fit in anywhere, you know. He doesn't like the two parties, so he does that. But he's willing, more than willing to back Hillary. What? What? The, I mean, the guy's a hypocrite. The guy's as much of a hypocrite as Hillary is a hypocrite. You know, the only guy who's who, who's a blatant hypocrite but doesn't care about it is Trump. You know? Am I right? No. Yeah, I don't know 
hypocrite. Oh, he's a, he's amazing. You know, uh, he was pro. He was totally pro-choice once. Now he's totally pro pro pro-life. He was totally uh, uh, you know. He was a liberal. He said he never did anything wrong, and yet he's he's confessed uh, on many things that he was a womanizer and he did all kinds of things. You know, and, and it's like you know, he, it's, it's like ugh. it's so hard to believe anybody right now. And the ones I feel sorry for, people I really feel sorry for are, are Bernie's Bernie followers because I know Bernie's. I I've always believed Bernie is a show for the Democratic Party. He always was. That's why he became a Democrat. Okay, and then he went to become a, you know, uh, an independent because it worked for him somehow. You know, and uh, uh, you know, just amazing. This this bothers me. Ted Cruz pledges to provide not, not to provide gluten-free meals to the military. What kind of a piece of shit is this guy? This guy's got to be the biggest piece of crap they're going. That's why he's hated. He's Everybody a crap hates ball. him. Yeah, but, you know, there, there are people that want him. That obviously, he's running second, you know, in all, these, in all these polls. But, you know, as a sufferer of gluten allergy, okay, you know, not providing gluten-free food to the military is like, you know, this guy is one piece of stupidity, you know. And if you ever saw his father, his well, father is completely crazy. out of his mind, well, all right. This guy. So this guy, this guy is as crazy as, he's batshit crazy. So it's like Republican presidential Ted Cruz looks... Rx oh. and Rx hybrid. Yeah, that's Never have not Usually you can skip these. There was. There was an edit in the Republican presidential candidate Ted Cruz took to gain, looked to gain the support of military voters in South Carolina on Tuesday, promised to build a robust military if elected, and pledged not to provide gluten-free meals, which he equated with a culture of political correctness. Jeez, this guy is so stupid. You know, he's got his head up his ass to be on belief. Okay. That's why the last thing any commander should need to worry about is the grades he gets uh, some plush bottom. This guy is so stupid. I can't even. I, I can't even. I can't even read the stupidity of this man. You know, I, Ted Cruz is the biggest stupid person there is. There is no question. I thought Rubio was stupid. This guy's more stupid than yeah, Rubio. Amazing. Now this guy. He's a complete stupid asshole. Teabagger of the yes. day, Jerome Corsi. Sex isn't about fun. If you want to have fun, read a book, go to a movie. Sex is about the procreation of children. Okay. What a genius. Uh, <laughs> what a genius. You, you wouldn't have... Oh, in his name, we will carve in stone. Jerome Corsi, yeah, teabagger idiot of the day. Yeah. Oh, here's another genius. Uh, uh, George Bush. George Bush's support for Jeb is a reminder of his disastrous legacy. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. Uh, this is from Common Dreams. But of course, he can't even travel because he'd be arrested. He can't get out of the... Yeah, he's, you know, he's a war criminal. As a fan of the zombie genre... Uh, perhaps I should welcome the resurrection of G.W. Bush. The former president has been largely discreet and absent since his calamitous reign ended more than seven years ago. Uh, perhaps hoping that if temporarily forgotten, he would all forget. We would all forget his misdeeds, and history would eventually look at his presidency more kindly. But as it takes to the, as he takes to the stump in an effort to re-energize his brother's flag, flagging. Uh, presidential campaign, uh, there is little doubt that Jeb Bush is a victim of the political polarization his elder sibling helped unleash. Not that it's as simple as to say we live in the world W built, uh, a U.S. foreign policy that all too often engages in disastrous wars and back dictatorships and terror groups predate, uh, predates his reign. So does the stagnation of living um, of living uh, standards for millions of Americans and U.S. power after its temporary post-Soviet boost uh, was already in relative decline and faced with the ranting demagoguery of Donald Trump, a certain nostalgia for Bush refutation uh, of anti-Muslim bigotry is almost understandable. 
But I, if, if history ever does one of those, uh, as we really all, uh, is it really all revisions? Uh, yes, it, it is terrible. And on re- uh, one reason Barack Obama hasn't always received the scrutiny he deserves, there would be a justifiable howls of fury if the horror show that is the Libya war had taken place with Bush in the White House. Uh, is because of the sheer relief at Bush's departure from the orange jumpsuit of Guantanamo Bay to the foreclosures of the subprime mortgage crisis, from the piles of prisoners surrounded by sickly grinning soldiers at Abu Ghraib to the white phosphorus dropped on Fallujah, the world remains stalked by Bush's demons. Bush proclaimed the war on terror in 2001 with the mission of eradicating terrorism. More than 14 years later, terrorists and fundamentalist extremist groups are more powerful than they ever been. The incalculable reputational damage suffered by the United States because of his policies, Guantanamo Bay, has still not closed. The use of torture and the eagle invasion of Iraq has not dissipated. He bequeathed his successor the most disastrous economic situation since 1930, and we still remain in the aftermath. With U.S. power severely weakened and the living standards of Americans continue to fall, no wonder there is such appetite for radical solutions. On the one hand, the optimistic vision of socially just U.S. offered by Bernie Sanders. On the other hand, the miserable, immigrant-blaming, Muslim-bashing politics of fear propagated by Trump. But the rise of both owes us so much to the legacy of Bush, allowing Trump, a Republican candidate, to bash the former president with such abandon. In some parts of the Republican America, Bush is remembered with affection, but few presidencies can claim such a disastrous legacy. We live with the misery he inflicted. Loyalty may compel him to champion his brother, but if this is the beginning of an attempt to rehabilitate his pernicious reign, it must and will be resisted. Absolutely. And for anyone who's interested, I don't, I don't know if we can. Uh, yeah. Why Donald Trump is right about George Bush and 911. Mm-hmm. This goes on to talk about, you know, uh, uh, it's kind of long. And there's a timeline there, but. Uh, but it's it's been out there forever. Everybody knows he was responsible for that. They knew it was coming. That his. Uh, Numbers were falling. He wasn't popular. They let it happen, and it helped a lot of people. The guy that owned the Twin Towers, he couldn't afford. He couldn't get it rented, and he couldn't afford to clean it up, so it got blown up. He was happy. Yeah. Well, uh, this is just one thing I thought we, we could follow up if I can get it. What are you trying to do? Uh, Scalia told me a secret about George W. Bush. Uh, this is just a follow-up here. But um, when he had dinner several years ago, I asked the justice about the Bushes, and his uh, answer might surprise you. This is Stephen Harrison, reporter. Uh, eight years ago... Can you move this over so no. we can see it? Oh. No, it's, 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 I had the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to ask two questions of the country's most famous conservative Supreme Court justice. I'll never forget how he answered. I was a junior in college at Washington University in St. Louis, an English major, but that spring I was spending a semester abroad at Christ Church, Oxford University. I was truly enjoying my tutorials in 19th century British novels, Although, to be honest, I was even more excited to be taking my meals in the actual Harry Potter dining hall. My one complaint was that American students were a little segregated from the rest of the student body, so I tried to expand my friendship group by joining the Oxford Union Society. Founded in 1823, the Union is probably the world's most famous debating club. It's the historic training ground for prime ministers and politicians throughout the former British Empire. The union regularly invites distinguished guests to give speeches. When the notice came out that Judge Scalia would be visiting, I put my name in the drawing, think it would be a long shot, but I was one of 12 students selected for a private dinner and drinks with him beforehand. 
My place setting was, the, was to the guest of honor's left, to the relief of liberal family members when I told the story later. I was very nervous to be in the same room with such a famous jurist, but probably more anxious about the other students. At that, let's see, uh, at that point, I'd read very few judicial opinions. I fully expected to be embarrassed that these well-spoken Brits knew more than me about American constitutional law. Um, he has dinner and all oh, that. Yeah, After yeah, yeah. I gather my courage, I wondered if I could ask your opinion on the president's leadership qualities. I recall Justice Scalia leaned back a little, examined my my face. He must have thought I was a plant. Nevertheless, he was completely candid. I have the utmost respect for the Bush family, he said, and I'm not a politician or a political figure. But a lot of my fellow Republicans think that the other Bush brother is much brighter, that the wrong Bush became president. There in the Gladstone room of the historic Oxford Union, Justice Scalia indicated that he shared this opinion. Huh. Okay. That the wrong Bush became president. Who is the other Bush? Well, I don't know. There's a couple of brothers. I don't know which one is the smart one, because this one sure isn't Jeb. This guy is too bright. He That's all right. That's clearly I was a nightmare. Just an absolute nightmare. So anyway, um, I know it's union news, and I, a lot of this has to do with the unions, but a lot of it has to do with, with just the politics that are running this insane country. And... Uh, just, just so you, just these are just uh, uh, something that came up. That incarceration rates around the world, uh, based on prisoners per 100,000 population, in India, is only 30 in per 100,000. Per 100,000. Japan is 63 per 100,000. Germany is 88 per 100,000. Canada, 118 per 100,000. China, 124. Per hundred thousand, and the United States is seven hundred and twenty-one per hundred thousand. Huh. So, so you tell me what's going on here. And Big business. Yeah. Brody breaks it down. Kids get caught with yeah, marijuana. He's right about that. Gets caught with marijuana. That kid has a police record. A Wall Street executive destroys the economy. Five billion dollar settlement with the government. No criminal record. That is what power is about, that is what corruption is about, and that is what has to change in the United States of America. So anyway. I agree with that. I have to agree too, but. Well, I call it uh, criminals, nothing ever happens to them. Hence, uh, isn't John Rowland still walking around? Yeah. He's been indicted, and he's been, he's been convicted, and they still haven't sentenced him. That's yeah. unbelievable. It's been almost a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's been out and unsentenced. I mean, that, that it, it's so criminal. It's just, I mean, it, the system is so rigged. It's so sick. Uh, Wisconsin State Senator Chris Larson won the primary for Milwaukee County Executive on Tuesday, edging incumbent Chris Abel by four seven hundred votes in a four-way primary. But what was interesting in this, this is why, why I pulled it up. Actually, I think this was sent out by AFSCME. Um, what made it interesting was, keep adjusting this. Okay. Uh, Larson had more than 700 vote lead over Abel. Um, 100% of the votes counted at the end of the night. Larson leading in a slim margin, won 45% of the vote in Tuesday's primary. Abel received 44% of the primary vote to place well ahead of Joe. I don't care about that, but uh, what, it, what it was was, uh, sorry, folks. What, what made this an interesting thing was um, if I can find it, huh. was that for five years, I've asked voters to hold me accountable for not doing what I say, what I do. Uh, I could have sworn it said, said more to um, Anyway, uh, he was more of a pro labor guy, and he won. Huh. Which made it interesting, I thought. Well, 
looks good in Wisconsin. I yeah. hope we can do some good. A bill attempted to eliminate workers' rights from county organizations tried to reduce retiree pensions and oppose a local living wage ordinance and successfully lobbied Walker and reduce power and pay for the Milwaukee counties. But anyway, uh, he lost, and the other guy won, which is good. So that's kind of funny. Democratic primary makes clear Populist revolution is coming. Hmm. I like that. Thomas Piketty is the most recent transatlantic observer to note the incredible success of socialist Bernie Sanders is indicative of a, what, of a change? I think so. Of a deeper populist movement that's brewing across the United States. In a column published in the French newspaper Le Monde on Monday and translated on his website, Piketty argues that regardless of whether Sanders wins the Democratic nomination, avoid witnessing the end of political, political ideological cycle opened by the victory of Ronald Reagan at the November 1980 election. I'm so glad. Putting Sanders' rise within the historical context Piketty revisits the period between 1930 and 1980 when the U.S. pursued an ambitious policy of reduction in social inequalities with economic policies that included progressive income and estate taxes as well as the implementation of the federal minimum wage, which reached above $10 per hour in 2016 by the end of the 1960s. Half a century of steady fiscal progressivity um, came to an abrupt end in 1980 when Ronald Reagan surfed into presidency from the, uh, on a program designed to reinstate a mythical capitalism stated, said to have existed in the past, propelled largely by the frustrations of the financial elites. Yeah. Um, Piketty said that, his, that this culminated with the 1986 fiscal reform, which lowered the top tax rates to 28%, compared to the average rate of 82% for the richest Americans during the previous era, as well as the freezing of the federal minimum wage. All right. Now, yeah, that, 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 tax, that tax thing just destroyed this country, just yep. destroyed it, okay? Uh, and, and these people are calling him a saint, well, you know? Well, these, these idiots on, and, and the Republican... Well, was, look at who's this, running. They're calling this guy a saint. Ted Cruz, he's an Ted idiot. Ted Cruz is an idiot. Rubio's an idiot. Uh-huh. Trump's an idiot. I mean, all of these guys don't even deserve to live, you know, in, in, in society. These guys are criminals, all right, and idiots. But yet they're elected and they're running. And Cruz, the most hated guy in the Senate. Rubio, the most inept. And, uh, you know, jeez, uh, God almighty. I mean, you know, oh, now Cassius, who never cared about religion, is suddenly, Kasich, uh, he's suddenly coming around and trying to be religious. Oh, really? You know? Oh, yeah. He says you should push Christianity more in the Muslim countries. <laughs> what a moron. And this guy's, this guy's a moron, all right? And then, well, of course, you got the greatest of all morons. you got Jeb. He's pandering to the uh, of course, Christian. The evangelicals. Right, whatever they are. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, well, anyway. Piketty concedes, faced with the Clinton electoral machine and the conservatism of a major media, Bernie will perhaps not win the primary, but he has... It has been demonstrated that other Sanders, possibly younger and less white, could one day soon win the American presidential elections. Today, Sanders' success demonstrates that a substantial portion of America is tired of the rise in inequality and these pseudo-alternatives and intends to return to a progressive agenda and American tradition of egalitarianism, he concludes. Well, Bernie Sanders' elder brother, Larry, I didn't know he had a Larry brother. Yeah, he lives in England. Oh, yeah? who lives in the United Kingdom and is a local leader in the Green Party, uh, made a similar argument last week. Larry Sanders uh, attributed his brother's popularity to his focus on economic inequality, telling the BBC, and the distribution of money from the bulk of the population to the very rich is true, and when somebody says it, they resonate to that. There you go. Okay. So, anyway, just thought I'd let you know that. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's see. 
turned out that uh, January was the hottest in the world ever. Not here. Oh, yeah. January was yeah. kind of warm. So last month was the hottest January the planet has experienced since record-keeping began 140 years ago. Do you think February will be the coldest? Oh, it's pretty cold. It was pretty cold last last February too. Uh, no one should ever be imprisoned for speaking their mind. Edward Snowden says, "Cool story, bro." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but get this poison out of the food supply. We'll round up. I agree. Uh, Ford is the 108th identified company to cut ties with Alec in recent years. One of the largest automakers in the world with many uh, plants in North America. Uh, Ford has tried to present itself as a leader on worker relations, uh, climate change, and fuel efficiency, but uh, the Coke-Alec role in promoting controversial anti-union legislation like right to work passed in Michigan, Wisconsin, and West Virginia, may have also caused concern for the union firm. Ford becomes latest corporation dumping Alec in its climate denial. Okay, so let's read this here. Ford Motor Company confirmed that the Center for Media and Democracy that it is cutting ties with Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council an organization that has drawn heavy criticism for promoting climate change denial and for opposing the environment of renewable energy resources. As part of our annual budget renew review, we have adjusted our participation in several groups, and um, we will not be participating in ALEC in 216, wrote Ford Spokesman. And um, hang on a second. Products might be Ford tough, but in making the decision to stop funding Alec Ford uh, executives and responding to consumer concern over its membership in the controversial Coke-funded Alec. Okay, so that's that's good. So they're saying no, and uh, that's a good thing. Doesn't mean they're not a company because they're leaving uh, to go. To, they're bringing thousands of jobs to uh, Mexico. But here, here's something interesting. Obama nominates a Native American woman to, to a federal court. Hmm. And, uh, Is that Winona? No. Uh, folks Diane are excited to have history made Diane Humatua as a possible choice for SCOTUS seat. She, we shall see. But that would be interesting. But here we go. This is Indian country today. Obama nominates Native American woman to the federal court. Responding to widespread requests from tribal leaders and Indian legal advocates, President Obama has nominated uh, uh, nominated a Native American uh, to serve on the federal bench. The president announced September 19th that Diane Amatua, um, nominee for the U.S. District Court for Arizona, she is a Hopi citizen, and from 2002 to 2007, she served as an appellate court judge uh, for the Hopi Tribe Appellate Court. Obama has previously nominated one tribal citizen to serve on the federal bench, um, Aurora McConnell, uh the Kiowa Tribe, but Republican senators successfully blocked the nomination during the president's first term. For Oklahoma senators, and um, particularly particular expressed frustration with the administration did not consult with them on the nomination. But they would not say specifically that their problem was uh, with McKinnon was at the time. The administration pushed back and said the White House officially laying blame, full blame with Senate Republicans, saying it was part of their overall plan to thwart the president. This goes on, but interesting that he, that he nominated an uh, Now, this was something. This was something that really kind of pissed me off. All right, when I read it, 
And uh, I, I heard about it about a year or so ago, but when he did it, now this is Scalia. Okay. Now we're just as Scalia got the idea that American African Americans might be better off at a lower track level, not on the not to uh, not operate on a uh, to not be allowed in certain certain colleges because they don't qualify. They're not so that they don't uh, so that they might do better in a lower court in a lower in, in, in a lower institution. Okay. Yep. Supreme Court Justice Scalia, uh, Scalia, no stranger to controversy, drew mm-hmm. fire Wednesday after suggesting that uh, African American students might be better off attending slower track universities. Now, this article was in December, okay, of, of last year, and uh, during a hearing, oral arguments for the case of Fisher versus University of Texas at Austin to decide whether race-conscious admissions should be upheld at Texas flagship universities. Scalia cited those who contend that it does not benefit African-Americans to get them into the University of Texas, where they do not do well, as opposed to having them go to a less advanced school, a slower-track school, where they do do well. <laughs> he went on to say one of the brief points out of the, one of the briefs pointed out that most of the black scientists in the country don't come from schools like the University of Texas. They come from schools where they do not feel they are being pushed ahead in classes that are too fast for them. Oh, my God. And he said, too many, to, to many the justice uh, appeared to be arguing that black students are not qualified to attend higher-tier institutions and would in turn benefit from enrolling in slower ones. And the suggestion seemed to be where they belong. And Parks and Recreation actress Rashida Jones, Rashida Jones, who is part African American and a graduate of Hartford, Harvard, denounced Scalia's comments as racism. You know, and uh, she did. Uh, while many dismissed Scalia's statements as a classic provocation from one of the Supreme Court's most vocal conservative judges, his argument has roots. Scalia. Was referring to a friend of the court brief filed in the case, which detailed a notion popular among affirmative action opponents that mismatched the theory. And uh, it goes on, but yeah, he is basically a racist, and which, uh, oh come on, you, you can understand that. That's what he was. And um, here's something that. Um, Unhappy millennials turned to Bernie Sanders. Uh, and it explains why there's such a surge in millennials to, to Sanders, which is a good thing, but I'm afraid they really don't. I'm afraid they don't have the whole. You know, it's the best they got. That's the problem for these people. And I'm 20 years old, born in 1995, right, uh, right on the border between generations Y and Z. Z generation. Uh, like many people my age, I'm a college student and I am unhappy. I am unhappy about the massive debt I am inheriting as an American taxpayer. I am unhappy about the massive economic and political inequalities I witness every day. I'm unhappy about the incredible intergenerational wealth transfers where politicians buy votes from older Americans who turn out on election day with programs like Medicare taking money away from programs for the young, like higher education. But most of all, I'm unhappy about my dismal economic opportunities today. The American dream that I was taught to revere throughout school is falling apart, and that deeply troubles me. These issues are worse in Connecticut, where everyone, from businesses like General Electric to individuals like many of my friends, seem to be fleeing the state. This unhappiness makes my generation angry. Some college students have in their anger aimed to rectify uh, perceived injustices by putting demands on their school administrators. While this is at least means that we care, I do not favor the upward pressure these demands put on, um, uh, on their school administrators. While this uh, at least means that we care, I do not favor the upward pressure uh, put on already sky-high tuition rates. Many of them ask for new college employees 
uh, more training for college employees, and our new college buildings, college being more expensive is the last thing I want. And he goes, he goes on and on and on, on, but um, because he's a, and it's interesting, he's a Connecticut guy. Uh, but uh, this president might end the wealth transfer by changing Medicare from a program that benefits the older generation at the expense of the younger. And I see he got it wrong again. He got it so wrong again. This is the problem with young voters. I I I know that they're the they're the uh, future, and I have respect for that. But they don't under they've been so brainwashed, Lila. They've been so brainwashed over the years that they can't even understand what they're voting for, you know, or who they're voting for. That's true. That's very true. All right. Yep. Um, anyway. Well, some people grow up and make their own decisions, <laughs> swayed one way or the other. All right. Uh, 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 let me see. There was another There was... Put up some stuff this week. Uh, oh, here's a guy who took a, a, a pay cut. Uh, you might know about this. Well, Roger Goodell, okay, uh, took a million dollar pay cut. Uh, Roger Goodell is the NFL chairman, uh, uh, NFL, yeah, uh, president, and his. Pay was $34 million, so he took a pay cut, to, uh, uh, but still received 34 he, he took He was at $35 million. Now he's at $34 million. I mean, just because he did a lousy job. Isn't that something, Lala? Wouldn't you like to get paid $34 million just for doing a lousy job? Yeah. And would you, would you, would you mind if, your, if, your, if your pay was $35 million and they said, no, it's going to be $34 million now because you did a lousy job? I don't think I would mind that too much. The fact that they actually kept them in the job. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, demand Debbie Wasserman Schultz immediate resignation as the DNC chair. I certainly and certainly agree with that. And I think she should be uh, tossed out of there as fast as she possibly can. Here's a... Uh, in tonight's show a little bit here. Um, it's interesting, you know, medical marijuana is one of the one of the most uh, important. Can't hurt, it really can't hurt anybody. No. And, uh, but, um, hang on a second, this damn pop-up's coming. Okay. Indisputable evidence. Indisputable evidence showing that cannabis could be the most nutritional vegetable in the world. And this is a little uh, video here. So we're going we're to let that happen. Certain chemicals contained inside of the cannabis plant called cannabinoids might be the most powerful non-inhaled edible nutrients mankind will ever know. They may do for medicine what germ theory and antibiotics did ushering in the next great advancement in human health and life expectancy. The public has known about the incredible nutrient-like characteristics of cannabinoids and cannabis for decades now and has pushed for permission to use them medicinally, but the United States federal government has fought lawsuit after lawsuit to keep cannabis as a Schedule One drug, meaning the highest law in the nation classifies it as having 0.00% possible medical use. The thing is, the Fed's official position on the matter explicitly describes smoking as the method of delivery to the body, which they claim to have zero medical value. Generally speaking, burning a substance, destroying most of it, and inhaling the smoke that's created isn't usually the most effective way to deliver nutrients to the body. Throughout time, the Feds have never publicly acknowledged the possibility of eating cannabis cannabinoids as medicine. What's interesting about the stubborn stance of our leaders that cannabis has zero medical value is that they actually hold a U.S. patent on the use of cannabis cannabinoids for the treatment and prevention 
of ischemic, age-related, inflammatory, and autoimmune diseases. The feds have known about the disease-fighting potential of cannabis since at least 1974 when they discovered the cannabinoids inside of it to have cancer-fighting properties in mice. The National Cancer Institute, a federal agency, tested four common cannabis cannabinoids on mice with lung cancer and on lung cancer cells in test tubes. The cannabinoids were administered orally and ingested by the mice. Three out of the four cannabinoids reduced the size of some tumors and slowed the progression of others, leading to a longer survival time than the untreated mice. The test tube cancer cells were also impaired by the cannabinoids. At that time, science had no explanation for why cannabinoids could show to be anti-cancerous. The pieces started to come together in 1988 when the first endogenous cannabinoid receptor, or endocannabinoid receptor, was found in the brain of a rat. Soon after, it was discovered that endocannabinoid receptors are replete throughout the mammalian body. They are in every bodily system, the brain, blood cells, internal organs, skin, and bones. These receptors are not unique only to mammals. Every living thing that has a backbone and a central nervous system has endocannabinoid receptors. In mammals, these receptors have been found to play a key role in many bodily functions. Two distinct types of cannabinoid receptors have been identified, and a third type is suspected to exist. The first type, called CB1, affects the central nervous system, sleep, pain, memory, mood, smell, appetite, liver activity, cardiovascular activity, and gastrointestinal activity. The second type, CB2, affects the peripheral nervous system, immune system, gastrointestinal activity, and some brain activity. The endocannabinoid receptors are in charge of turning up activity in certain parts of the body and turning it down in others, acting as regulators to keep bodily functions in check. Then in 1992, it was discovered that the body actually makes its own form of cannabinoids, called endocannabinoids, to feed the receptors and allow them to do their important oversight job. Eating foods with omega-3 fatty acids helps the production of endocannabinoids, which are then created on demand by the body to feed any receptor that needs stimulation. The endocannabinoid 2-AG is in mother's milk. Since discovering that endocannabinoid receptors impact upon so many bodily functions, scientists have been determined to experiment with the chemicals that affect them and explore their potential medical use. While there have only been five distinct types of cannabinoids identified to be made inside of the body, there have been 85 unique cannabinoids identified so far in cannabis. There are cannabinoids in some other plants, like echinacea, but nowhere near the quantity or potential medical quality of cannabis. But because the 85 cannabis cannabinoids are legal to prescribe and prohibitively difficult to research for medical use in America, researchers have instead been forced to create artificial cannabis mocking drugs to attempt to stimulate the endocannabinoid receptors and manipulate their actions in a helpful way. The technical definition of a cannabinoid is any chemical that is capable of binding to and activating an endocannabinoid receptor. Cannabinoids made inside the body are endocannabinoids. Cannabinoids found in plants are phytocannabinoids, and the rest are made by scientists in a laboratory. These man-made cannabinoids don't suffer the same automatic illegal status as their natural counterparts. Synthetic cannabinoids that gain FDA approval are allowed to be marketed and sold on the highly expensive pharmaceutical market. Today, there are two such artificial cannabinoids that can legally be prescribed to Americans. In 1985, the drug Marinol was approved by the FDA and entered the market. It is prescribed to reduce nausea and vomiting in chemotherapy patients and increase appetite in AIDS and chemo patients. Also in 1985, the drug Sesamet was approved by the FDA but it was not allowed to enter the market until 2006. It is prescribed to reduce nausea, vomiting, and neuropathic pain in chemo patients and increase appetite in AIDS patients. Both Marinol and Sesamet are modeled after the cannabis cannabinoid THC. The only other pharmaceutical cannabinoid drug in the world is the low-concentration oral spray Sativex. It entered the market in 2003 as a treatment for multiple sclerosis patients to alleviate their spasticity and neuropathic pain. Because Sativex contains the real cannabis cannabinoids, THC and CBD, it is illegal in America, but available in other countries like Canada, England, Spain, and New Zealand. Although Marinol and Sesamet are the extent to which an American can legally use cannabinoids, the research shows that endocannabinoid receptors could be used to do more than justified symptoms. A search on PubMed.gov for the word cannabinoid yields 15,243 results. These studies, most of which involve non-smoked cannabinoids, show that endocannabinoid receptors could be utilized to have a uniquely profound impact on what is currently known as health.
This is nowhere near a complete list, but here are 25 studies showing different diseases and conditions that could be treated or even healed by exploiting the endocannabinoid system. Breast cancer, artificial cannabinoids reduce the size and spreading of tumors. Prostate cancer, an artificial cannabinoid reduced tumor growth. Lung cancer, artificial cannabinoids stopped the growth and spreading of tumors. Pancreas cancer, an artificial cannabinoid inhibited tumor growth. Liver cancer, THC and an artificial cannabinoid impaired cancer cells. Cervical cancer, an artificial cannabinoid killed cancer cells. Colon cancer, an artificial cannabinoid reduced cell growth and killed cancer cells. Non-Hodgkin lymphoma, an artificial cannabinoid reduced tumor size. Leukemia, THC reduced tumor size and killed tumor cells. Skin cancer, artificial cannabinoids reduced the growth of tumors. Cirrhosis, an artificial cannabinoid reduced fibrosis. Hepatitis, THC inhibited hepatitis. Alzheimer's, an artificial cannabinoid protected neurons and reduced cognitive impairment. Parkinson's, THCV could slow progression of PD. Multiple sclerosis, an artificial cannabinoid reduced neurological disability and progression of disease. Arthritis, artificial cannabinoids protected cartilage from degradation. Cardiac arrhythmia, an andamide and an artificial cannabinoid prevented arrhythmias. Insomnia, an endocannabinoid increased sleep. Sleep apnea, cannabinoids suppressed sleep-related apnea. Inflammatory bowel disease, artificial cannabinoids reduced inflammation. Depression, endocannabinoids may treat depression and anxiety. Post-traumatic stress disorder, an artificial cannabinoid could help control nightmares. HIV, cannabinoids inhibited TAT. Osteoporosis, an artificial cannabinoid increased bone mass and protected against bone loss. Nicotine addiction, an artificial cannabinoid could help smokers quit smoking. The bulk of trials that do move on to humans are those that show potential to control symptoms. For some reason, almost no experiments that show potential to actually cure disease move on to humans. Interestingly enough, in all of history, there hasn't been one study done testing the curative effect of ingested cannabis cannabinoids on humans. The only study on humans testing the disease-fighting properties of non-smoked cannabis cannabinoids took place in Spain in 2006. They took the lone cannabis chemical THC and directly injected it into malignant brain tumors of patients. As suspected, it had a cancer-fighting reaction in some of the patient's tumors, and those patients lived much longer than expected. But since then, no more clinical trials of this nature have been performed on humans. Despite the mountains of research showing the disease-fighting potential of cannabinoids, both artificial cannabinoids available to sick Americans are modeled after the same cannabis chemical, and all they do is alleviate a few symptoms. In 2007, using a new method to target the endocannabinoid receptors, the French pharmaceutical company Sanofi Aventis came close to bringing America its next cannabinoid drug. They theorized that because CB1 receptors stimulate appetite, shutting those receptors down could help reduce appetite and help people lose weight. They didn't know exactly which CB1 receptors controlled appetite, so they made a drug that simply blocked as many CB1 receptors as possible. Their drug, called Accomplia, made it all the way to an FDA Phase three trial. Patients were indeed showing signs of reduced appetite. The drug also showed potential uses for nicotine addiction and metabolic disorders, but the FDA stopped the trial when some patients formed extreme anxiety and depression and attempted suicide. Patients with a history of depression weren't allowed in the study. Although Accomplia was not approved in the U.S., it was approved in Europe, and it was available in 56 countries by 2008. It quickly became clear, however, that its negative effects outweighed its positives, and it was pulled from the market by the end of the year. Other pharmaceutical companies, like Merck and Pfizer, were in pre-production stages with their own versions of weight loss CB1 blockers, but these programs were not fully carried out because of the failure of Accomplia. What Accomplia did is show... Well, that that was, was an interesting thing, and I, I hope you, um, you got something from that. But... These were all... These were not... These were artificial marijuana drugs, not not real marijuana drugs, and not just marijuana, you know. It is cannabis. I mean, just legalize it, folks. Just let it be legalized. That's all we're asking as human beings. <laughs> so, anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. It was great to have you with us. Um, tell your friends if you're interested. Um, and, um, uh, that you, uh, hang on a second here, oh God, sorry folks, I'm just gonna turn that back.
program. But anyway, I want to thank everybody uh, for for joining us tonight. Uh, we appreciate your patronage and uh, look forward to you to talking to you again, uh, possibly tomorrow. Um, I can't predict which which other days I'm going to do to to be on, uh, possibly tomorrow. But uh, check your check the listings. Um, and uh, we hope that you uh, hope you enjoyed the show. So anyway, um, have a pleasant evening. Sorry for the delay. I'm trying to get to my. Thank you for joining us and have a